I think that they are intrinsically spiritual food for our souls. Mm. I think that there is intentional work that you have to do among friendships. You should treat them as gems and jewels in your life because the support that women can and should and do give one another, they give you life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Power Up Women. I'm Ann Doyle. And I'm Dana Harvey. Well, Dana, we just passed the one year mark in the US for this COVID-19 pandemic. And I know you're probably chomping at the bit as I am, as everybody is to hopefully get together with our family, our friends, um, take off our masks, eat at a restaurant. But you know, I'm, I'm one of these people, I, I am not going to rush it. I had my first vaccination. I'm going to get my next one in, uh, I guess, two weeks now from now. And I hope everybody gets vaccinated and, but also that we stay careful, you know, until we really get some herd immunity in this uh, country. Yeah, I agree. I've got my first vaccination as well, and so I'm right behind you. And I too am ready. I think I've been I've been saying new normal for the past year. So I think <laughs> the new normal is going to continue to evolve, but I'm ready to get to a point where there's some sense of normalcy. I just think that our souls need it. It's been a long year. Oh, it's been a really long year. But this is Women's History Month. So what are you doing this Women's History Month to celebrate? I am following every woman's comments, articles, <laughs> highlighting all the new announcements and, and new job postings. And really, I think after this past year, the, the, the depth of what Women's History Month means, I think is so much deeper, especially from a, the political landscape. I mean, all the women who ran and who won and who made a difference in the higher and larger stages and the presence of women that have just happened since the beginning of this year has been phenomenal. So for for me, Women's History Month is a culmination of that, but a catalyst of what we are all collectively and individually going to do moving forward. I'm excited about this year. I think that once we get to this new normal, <laughs> we're uh -huh. going to show up and show out as soon as we all get a chance to go outside. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I mean, there's been an awful lot of coverage about really the tremendous impact, disproportionate impact that this pandemic has had on women. and and that we've lost, I mean, they're basically saying we have lost uh, three decades of progress in terms of women in the workforce. So that's um, the discouraging side. But I have this sense, as you do, Dana, that we're just going to turbocharge out of this thing. I hope so. I do, too. I do, too. So I have to say, this is uh, Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. We're Happy recording Saint this. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Anne. <laughs> yeah, I'm 100% Irish American, and so big celebration always in my family. But this is also March Madness, of course. Anybody who's a sports fan, and I want to make sure that everybody also pays attention to the women's NCAA tournament, which is going on also, and it starts March 21st in San Antonio. And you know, I've been. Uh, caring about sports and covering women's progress in sports since the whole passage of Title IX opened up a lot of opportunities. And I am very excited about really how far the women's game has come. I mean, there's just some tremendous talent out there. So if you haven't watched those games, have you watched any of those games, Dana? 
I've been watching a few and I'm in a couple of uh, Big Ten Facebook groups. So there's a lot of rivalry going on here. So it is so much fun. But regarding women's sports, I agree with you, Anne. I, I appreciate your background and your your mission to uplift you know, women in sports. And I've been paying closer attention because of that. And I, there was another article about somebody who recently was the first woman to do something. I can't remember what, what it was, but there's been so many of those so recently that it's very exciting. Yeah. Well, Time Magazine, the whole issue about women that just came out uh, does a major piece about the first woman general manager of a major league baseball team. That's the yeah. one I was thinking of. Absolutely. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So the one other thing I want to mention before we get into what we're going to do for this episode is uh, to talk about the Equal Rights Amendment, because it's such an important part of women's history. And we want to do an episode this month about that, because it, it was first introduced by suffragist Alice Paul, who led the charge that finally, after 75 year fight, got the 19th Amendment for women's right to vote passed into the Constitution. And so she immediately introduced the ERA in 1923. And we still don't have protection in the U.S. Constitution. So it's really important. And we're going to do an episode about why. And I hope we can get that passed in my lifetime. That would be some women's history I hope I live to see. Oh, my goodness. That will be phenomenal. Yeah. I think, I think it will be very exciting as long and as hard as we have worked to get that going, among other things that we work on, including <laughs> yeah. this podcast. But I think, you know, typically we're interviewing people. And we've talked about this. But so we are going to do something a little different this week because we both agree that we thought our listeners might be interested in hearing a little bit more about each other. So I yeah. am interviewing Ann Doyle and Ann Doyle is interviewing me, Dana Harvey. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So do you yeah. want to start? Yes, I'd love to get started. So, okay. Anne, thank you for joining us today. <laughs> my, my pleasure. My first question for you, what would you like your listeners to know about you? You've been doing this podcast for a while, but what specifically or, or recently something uh, that you would like to share? Well, I think people have a sense from listening to me on this podcast that I've been doing for three seasons now that I have a lifetime passion for helping to do everything that I can in my power to support and empower and encourage and, and lift girls and women everywhere here in the United States, all around the world to really achieve their full potential. That's my lifelong passion. But I guess I'd like them also to know that I'm the big sister of seven children, that I, I'm a journalist in my core. So I spent the first 15 years of my very long career because I'm a baby boomer as a journalist and once a journalist, always a journalist, which is why I love this podcast because we're always looking for new information and people doing incredible new things. I spent uh, the second part of my career at Ford Motor Company and in, in global business. I love to travel. I've been on every continent except Antarctica and I think I'm over 45 countries at this point. So I love traveling and uh, I speak Spanish because I, I lived in Spain when I was uh, in college and I've stayed very closely in touch with my Spanish family. And so I guess that's enough about me. So Dana, what would you like people to know about you? 
first of all, would like to let people know how happy I am to be a part of this conversation. I've been following Anne's career for a long time and, you know, engage with you in a number of different, different ways. But what you do and what your mission is, is not only inspiring, but it mirrors mine. You know, I am absolutely an advocate for, you know, young women in leadership and helping our, our young ladies develop into what I believe they could and should be with the help of us. I in, enjoy intergenerational conversations. I come from a family of, of women who have established themselves in, in the health field, in nonprofits and community service. So my heart goes out to a lot of people who have less than what I have. And so to be able to have this conversation, this ongoing conversation with you from a Gen X perspective and an African-American woman of a young mother, um, raising her to be what I believe she, she could be is important to me. My career is in marketing and communications. So the, the point of what I love to do is storytell and really lifting up stories. So not only having this conversation with you and telling the stories of other women, you know, this is like one of the best, best ways to do that. So I'm grateful to be here. I love the way that, that you and I can begin to, to begin uh, bridging the gap between all those intersections of women. And we have these Gen Z's coming, which are, they're a really big generation. I was looked them up and they're 91 million, which is bigger than the, than the millennials. Bigger and, than the millennials. Bigger than the millennials. And they are moving into the workplace right now. You know, the, the first sort of early wave of them is in their 20s. Those are your daughter and son. And uh, really important to see what's going on with them and, and, and the young women. Absolutely. Okay, so my next question for you is, you've embodied powering up women for quite some time. How did the launch of the podcast come into being? You had written a book and you have been speaking about supporting women in leadership for a long time. How did you and why did you start the podcast? Well, it actually was the idea of my son. So I'm a mother. My son, Kevin, uh, just turned 29 years old, and he and I are very close. I mean, his father died when he was seven years old, and so I pretty much raised him as a single mom. And so we're, we have ongoing conversations all the time, and he was still living at home with me when I was writing my book my book, Powering Up, How America's Women Achievers Become Leaders. And after a couple of years of, um, you know, you launch the book and one of the things you have to do is you do a lot of traveling, you do a lot of keynote speaking, uh, which I love to do and I traveled a lot. And then I got to the point where I was kind of thinking I was going to write another book. And I really started looking around in terms of what was it. And I actually was thinking about writing a book about men as allies and how important they are. But my son, Kevin, said, Mom, don't write another book. <laughs> and he's the one who said to me, you ought to do a podcast. And I really hadn't been listening to podcasts at that point. But here's the whole thing about learning from the next generation. And he had listened to a lot of podcasts. And I said, podcast, modcast, like, <laughs> right. and he's like, no, no, you ought to do a podcast. And when I started doing my research and my whole background, I mean, 15 years in television and broadcasting, 
um, I started out in radio. And so once I realized how podcasts are exploding, and then I also met Robin Kinney, who is the owner of Motor City Woman Studios, where we record, all the pieces came together and I said, wow, let's do a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the right move. We we want to give um, all credit to your son <laughs> for starting you on this path. So one of the things I'd like to know from you is, uh, you know that in my book, I talk a lot about um, defining moments and especially about the idea of what I call springboard moments. And defining moments are those moments that where we're tested. And uh, the test is, the result is either a springboard moment or or a mirror moment and a mirror moment is sort of when it reflects back to you and it says up oh, you didn't didn't really handle that one real well and so you got more work to do but a springboard moment is those times when you're tested and you rose to the challenge you were ready and it springboarded you to a higher level um, in your career in your personal development so i'm sure you've had plenty of those but is there one you'd share with us that you think was important in your life? Yeah, absolutely. And I think about how this particular time in my life has impacted me, not only from the change that I received from stepping into this position, but how I perceive the world moving forward. So for, for the longest time, I had been you know working in marketing. And, and at this time, I was a marketing director for the Free Press and the Detroit News. So a lot of that is really behind the scenes. You know, you are pushing the messages out and your product is is tangible only in a sense of a radio ad or a billboard or digital ads. I ended up getting recruited to work for the Public Lighting Authority of Detroit. Um, now, this is a, a quasi-governmental entity and it was not um, marketing related. But the unique thing about this position is how forward facing it was. And so my natural inclination to create messaging and explain things to people, one of which is trying to educate 300,000 residents of the city of Detroit that we are tearing down 88,000 streetlights and installing 65,000 LED lights. By the time oh. I finished working at the Public Lighting Authority, I could have had an honorary electrical engineering degree. <laughs> I was actually able to not only educate through technical terms, but also have empathy to the residents of Detroit because city lights mean so much more than just a fixture. Each light told a story and I was able to capitalize on how people felt about those lights. For a young woman, it could be security right in front of her house. For kids, it's the street light that the kids play on as they're playing outside and, you know, in the evening after schools. So my ability to represent the public lighting authority in such a way um, showed me that I can be out in front instead of just behind the scenes. So it just opened up a, another way of how I can communicate and storytell rather than it being behind a brand, but I can actually represent. And so it was a defining moment for me. And, you know, it, it may seem minor, but for me, it was defining. It wasn't minor at all. I mean, we are based in Detroit. And so uh, I know that, I mean, it was, uh, it was a terrible problem for the city of Detroit for a long, long time. And so it was a, a tremendous uh, solution that you brought. But I love the point you made about, uh, you know, every, every light has a story. Yeah, yeah, that's the storyteller in me. 
Yeah. What was a defining moment for you, Anne? I'm sure you've had a lot. Yeah, I've had plenty. And uh, the one that I'll share is one that people always want to know about because, uh, you know, I, uh, I do have a, a background in sports. My father was a sports broadcaster, and uh, that really opened an opportunity at for me at one point after doing television news for almost 10 years, I was offered the opportunity to be one of the first women in this country uh, ever hired to do TV sports as a sports reporter and anchor at CBS Detroit. And uh, that was uh, quite a long time ago. It was 1978 when that, that fight was going on. And it was a fight because the teams didn't want any women and the male journalists didn't particularly want women and because the big issue was about um, women going into locker rooms because that is how sports is covered and it was certainly how sports was covered back then it was a very very important part of the relationship between journalists the media and getting to know the the athletes and talking to them before the games and after the games sometimes when they're quite upset and so I was hired really right at the very moment when that issue was going to the U.S. Supreme Court. And uh, so I was already hired before the Supreme Court ruling came down and all the teams and the general managers when I was hired basically said, as Tiger General Manager Jim Campbell said to me, over my dead body, you're going in our locker room. And all I could do at that point was wait for that Supreme Court to decide that it was uh, that we had the, the that they could not discriminate on the basis of sex, and that's exactly what happened. But the defining moment for me is that that I pass along to people is to say that you know it's one thing for the courts for there to be a law that you can't discriminate, or for the courts to say you know you cannot discriminate on the basis of sex or race, but it's another thing entirely to change hearts and minds. And so I know what that is because I was a young rookie sports reporter standing outside professional locker room, practically hyperventilating and, and just trying, just trying to force myself to walk through those doors and face whatever was going to be waiting for me on the other side, knowing full well that there were going to be plenty of tests and there were waiting for me on the other side. But that's why I have so much respect for people who, when those opportunities and those moments arise, the people who have the courage to put themselves out there and help move us all forward. So I support people who do that and I know how hard it can be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What did your dad say about you in that in those moments? Did you go to him for some advice? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. I mean, my father, because my father was a sports broadcaster, I mean, I had the world's greatest mentor. And the incredible thing about my dad is number one, he told me absolutely take the job as I wasn't sure if I should or not. And I knew it would be trouble if I took the job. He said, absolutely, you have to go in those locker rooms. And he backed me all the way. But the other fun thing is that my dad took a lot of tremendous pressure from his male peer, other journalists, who basically said to him, listen, you've got to stop her. She's going to destroy it for everybody because they were afraid that the teams would never let women in. And so they would keep everybody out and they were afraid they would lose that access. And my dad backed me 100% while he said to his male peers, you know, I know I, I haven't been able to control Annie from the time she was about four <laughs> years old. I mean, I, I, I just don't know, guys. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. You had great support. 
Yeah, yeah, I had a, a great dad. So I want to talk about female friendships because uh, Dana, you know, we interviewed somebody on a recent episode who wrote a fantastic book called Assemble the, the Tribe, which was really all about the importance of female friendships. Do you have a tribe or, or several different tribes? I love talking about friendships between women. I grew up at the feet of my mother and her friends. So I've seen what a 50 year group or tribe looks like. Mm -hmm. And I have a sister of my own. I joined a sorority. And so I do, I have, and I've created circles and tribes all throughout my life. I think that they are intrinsically a spiritual food for our souls. Mm. I think that there is intentional work that you have to do among friendships. You should treat them as gems and jewels in your life because the support that women can and should and do give one another, they give you life, they give you support. And if you are very intentional about curating who you surround yourself with in, in your tribe, it's also like, it's almost like mental therapy. I mean, just thinking about what we had to go through to get through this pandemic. How many times did I lean on my girlfriends? All of the time. But that's the foundation of, of support that I created. I, I have heard that we don't often support each other. And I do think that there are probably some women who have not learned how to be a friend and therefore don't have many friends. And those women may have difficulties supporting one another, but I don't think it should be indicative of all of us across the board. I think there's too much we have to give to one another for us not to count on our tribes. I love my tribes. I have five. Five tribes. What are five they? Tribes. I have my, my sisters and the friends that I grew up with on my street. You know, since I was <laughs> 10 years old, I have a tribe. Wow. I, have my, I have my sorority sisters. I have my friends that I went to high school with that I would, that I am forever linked with. I have my professional soul sisters, the ones that we are evolving in our spiritual growth. And then I have my professional business sisters. These are the ones that keep me professionally and entrepreneurially going. You have to have those. You have to have that support. It's like free, it's like free therapy, free, med free medicine. You don't have to pay for it. You just pour into it. I could talk all day about that, Ann. Exactly. I know. I always tell women, listen, I don't care how much you know about sports, how good your golf game is or any of that kind of stuff. You are never, ever, ever really going to be one of the guys. So why would you not join your own tribe? You know, hey, support the sisterhood. Exactly. Exactly. And it goes back to what you're looking for that, that happens, you know, this year with this amendment. We still have so much collective work to do together. We do. Yeah. Yeah. We've got tons of tons of collective work to do. And that's the thing that I feel most strongly about is that I have seen during my working lifetime, just the United States becoming this and, and the world, you know, becoming this nation of high achieving women. But we're really in kindergarten when it comes to leveraging our collective power. And that to me 
is the biggest piece of it. And that's why this podcast is all about, you know, these conversations connecting the different generations of women and, and also across, I mean, the color divide, the racial divide, the maybe something, the political divide. Political yeah, the generation. Woof, woof. There's so much that is getting in our way. And we've got to find common ground and work together to yeah. get it done. Yeah. So we barely have any more time left. What are you reading? Um, well, because I've been working so hard, I have not been able to dive into my books, but I have a few that are just sitting on my nightstand that I'm determined to get to. Um, one of them is Malcolm Gladwell's last book. I think it's Talking to Talking to Strangers. I read everything about mm. Malcolm Gladwell. Um, there's always a professional book. So there's a Seth Grodin book about marketing. There you um, go. And I think there's another book in there about something about women and hearts and souls. I can't remember what it is, but that's the trifecta for me. What about you? <laughs> Well, I'm just like you. I always have a pile of books that I'm reading. I'm usually reading about three or four at the same time. I'm reading, I'm just finishing up Cast right now, which I think, which is a really important book. I I read her first book, The Warmth of a Thousand Suns, which is fantastic. And this, of course, is great book. I'm always reading a book in Spanish uh, just to keep my Spanish up. And so I'm reading uh, uh, Ines El Alma Mía, which is actually about the conquest of, of Chile in South America in the early 16th century. I just read that book, Assemble the Tribe, that author that we had. And uh, we're going to have another author on pretty soon who um, just wrote a book. She's actually a Spanish author, but very well known in Europe. And um, it's about um, everything I learned in business from my children. And I've always felt that um, parenting was really the toughest leadership laboratory I ever had. And so um, we're going to have her on and uh, just downloaded her book on Kindle. Also, I do want to mention in terms of books, I forgot to mention is there's a great uh, book called The Board Game, uh, How Smart Women become corporate directors and anybody and really all women who have had the business career, successful business careers should be preparing earlier in their career for serving on a corporate board. So that that's a great book. Well, I would like to thank Robin Kinney and her Motor City Woman Studio here in Detroit for producing Power Up Women. I'm Dana Harvey. And I'm Ann Doyle. Thanks for joining. We hope you'll subscribe, share us with your network, and rate us, please, on Apple or Google Podcasts. And Dana and I would love to hear from you through our email, which is Power Up Women, or join our Power Up Women Facebook group. And remember, when one woman rises, we all rise. So reach back and lift others as you climb.